Welcome to the CoinGecko Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Young. Each week, we'll be interviewing someone from the blockchain industry to learn more about this fast-moving cryptocurrency economy. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The CoinGecko Podcast is produced each week to help you stay ahead of the curve. Show notes can be found at podcast.coingecko.com. I highly encourage you to join our newsletter where we send out top news in the crypto industry every Monday to Friday. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Telegram at CoinGecko. Welcome to the CoinGecko podcast. For today's episode, we'll be welcoming Stephen McKee, founding partner and CEO of Amentum Investment Management. Stephen has been involved with Handshake, HNS. Handshake is a decentralized naming solution for the internet and provides a blockchain-powered alternative for allocating ownership rights to top-level domains. A little bit more about Stephen before we start. Stephen has been involved in crypto for the past seven years. He was previously the head of growth and product content at Purse and also hosts the Blockchain Podcast. Welcome to the CoinGecko Podcast, Stephen. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. So for the first question, can you explain to us in your simplest manner what is Handshake and why is it important to decentralize the domain name system? Mm-hmm. Of course. So, you know, uh, the current web as it stands right now with traditional DNS is centralized to, you know, a small group of parties based out of an organization here in the U.S. called ICANN. And so essentially what they serve as are the technical stewards, custodians of the web, which basically run and dictate what sort of new GTLDs or like top-level domain names uh, will exist on the internet. So they essentially like play the gatekeepers over individuals and other registrars that want to sell access to these names through a very like convoluted and expensive process um, that you have to go through, you know, specifically to them. So, you know, as with all other cryptocurrencies and the kind of the concept of Byzantine fault tolerance and, you know, building a blockchain as a whole, the idea is to remove these central authorities. So in Handshake's case, you know, they're looking to kind of solve what is called like previously as like Zuko's trilemma, which says that, you know, if you're going to build a decentralized namespace, um, you have to satisfy kind of like two or three of these properties, which one being human readable names, like it needs to be secure, right? So Byzantine, false tolerant, et cetera. And it needs to be like a distributed namespace. So if, you know, you wanted to build a blockchain using all these different things that we've learned over the past 10 years since Bitcoin, since Ethereum, to come together to build a new chain, that could remove the need for these centralized custodians that would be the gatekeepers of the current web and build a alternative root anchor to ICANN, which is essentially a soft fork of you know, the current DNS system wherein uh, our, the system is backwards compatible and does resolve out to ICANN if a name doesn't exist uh, in the handshake namespace. And so the idea is, you know, we're not, it's kind of a, technical Trojan horse of sorts that you can take the current web and the current namespace and then we can expand that to an unlimited array of, of names as long as you know they support uh, UTF-8 and so you we can have a, you know as long as it's less than 63 characters as well which is similar to the current DNS rule um, you can have any sort of name that you want and so the idea is it's an advancement over the current DNS namespace that's backwards compatible. And then, you know, also it allows us to remove that centralized authority. So the idea is taking some of the best 
new creations that have come about, like Segregated Witness, Light Clients, Urkel Trees, which were designed by JJ, uh, one of the main developers, Christopher Jeffrey of uh, Bitcoin, and then now uh, Handshake HSD. It's, you know, what we all like to joke about and say, like an artisanal approach at what you would do if you wanted to create a blockchain that was not only like application specific, um, but was secure and focused on doing one particular thing. Whereas Bitcoin was successful because it was good at what it did, peer-to-peer payments, uh, and it's, it's great at that. Ethereum wanted to be more generalizable, right? Smart contract, extendability, that composability, that's nice. But then, you know, Ethereum itself, because it's constantly looking for uh, use cases to you know, sustain its value and to, to grow its ecosystem. And Handshake, out of the gate, similar to Bitcoin, is coming out saying, hey, we have this grander extendability here, um, being so natively architected to work with the modern web. Um, but we also don't change some important aspects, um, like UTXOs. We don't have an, a, you know, an extracted uh, model like uh, Ethereum does. And so, uh, you know, we're just focused on doing one thing, doing it really well, and making it scalable enough to handle that use case and to be able to just out of the gate have something for people to actually use that can be integrated in multiple different aspects and with different security trade-offs. So um, that's like the shortest pitch that I can give when someone goes, why does Handshake have its own blockchain? The idea is that in order to fully realize the idea of having something kind of generalizable, but still application specific, um, you kind of really got to start at kind of just first principles and work your way backwards and think about what has the industry got right, um, you know, in the past you know, 10, 11 years since Bitcoin's inception and what do we need to focus on to build something that people are going to actually want to use. Who came up with the idea of Handshake? When did he or she come up with the idea and white paper for Handshake? Yeah, so the exact time that the original idea came about, if I had to guess, probably when towards the end of the time that I was at Purse in late 2017. So maybe sometime in that summer, uh, if I would imagine maybe JJ and the, the other individuals at Purse and the other partners and creators that have been listed elsewhere, you know, kind of came together. And at the time, you know, JJ was working on Bitcoin, which was the first full node alternative implementation, Bitcoin, uh, rebuilt in Node.js that JJ and uh, another gentleman, uh, Fedoran Dutney, uh, had originally worked on. And from there, I guess the idea was what we couldn't build in Bitcoin. JJ saw this opportunity to kind of take all of his experience of working, you know, in the web space. Previously, at one point, he had worked at GoDaddy um, and, you know, also re-implementing Bitcoin and all of this entirety, uh, you know, over in the node for this modular extendable library for Bitcoin. And so since that served as the kind of mature boilerplate for Handshake, HNS, and HSC, uh, the, you know, the, whole, the code base came from you know, a very uh, mature project, and then from there was able to be extended out further. And so uh, I think a lot of the early design around how the system would be architected came from a lot of probably JJ, since he's you know, the main implementer of the project. Um, but then also Joseph Poon and others played a role in likely the game theory and the architecture and how that all should best be set up. So 
at least from like kind of the core constituents there and also Andrew Lee from Hearst and then Andrew Lee from, I think it's London New Media, London Trust Media and Private Internet Access VPN. Um, there's two Andrew Lees on the project, so sometimes that can be confusing. And so as far as like the original kind of like core, I guess, creators, that's who I would personally like recognize as uh, who those people are. And also Boima Fambula, who coincidentally my fund, Amentum, which I'm CEO of, uh, he was also an original co-creator of our fund uh, and company Amentum prior to going to work and to build Handshake full time. And then to which later, you know, we invested as fun into Handshake as well. Uh, and also a slew of other projects. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, really it just come, came from a core group of folks that uh, really supported Bitcoin, really supported JJ, and uh, saw an opportunity to kind of really build something important and starting from square one. How is Handshake structure? Is there a foundation? And then I remember there was some sort of early investors from uh, some private sales, you know, how much it raised, and yeah. then how, how's, how's the development team going around? So all that stuff is transparent. It's on the website. You can find it in quite a few other articles and places as well. And there's proof of all this stuff in you know, the code base as well. But uh, the, the entirety of the, I guess, uh, kind of like the initial genesis allotment of Handshake was in total 1.36 billion. And what that included um, was that was broken down into various different segments and went to different groups. So it was broken down mostly into seven and a half percent segments, um, which comes out to roughly like 102 uh, million HNS allotment. So you can say 102 million or so went to uh, the initial kind of creator group of individuals and their businesses and firms and developers that you know worked initially on Handshake. And then you had the investors, which are folks like us. So, uh, you know, they originally raised $10.2 million of assets, not for the fund, for the development of the protocol or for anything like that, but that was to go to the false organization and that ultimately that we hope would be, you know, future custodians of Handshake and would look to adopt it and to recognize it you know, upon its launch, I would imagine, game theoretically was how that would work out. So that $10.2 million that was raised was given away to those organizations, um, which are also listed on the Handshake website. There's like a sponsors and grants page on there that breaks down all those different organizations. So like Debian and um, FreeBSD and other groups that are like listed up on there were able to kind of just get a jump start on Handshake. And so with that, I believe, some of that came with a, an additional allotment of Handshake too. So I think they both got uh, USD and HNS, you know, committing their keys to the tree. And then the, the other percentages, so there was like a certain amount and segment for all of the airdrop participants. So uh, there was a Goosey's airdrop, which is like a zero knowledge claim scheme uh, for individuals to use their current keys that they've had submitted, their PGP keys and things of that nature from GitHub, on Keybase, uh, and a few other places and sources that these keys were farmed from, and they were included in the tree um, based on some other parameters. For instance, GitHub, I think it was having 15 followers or more sometime after like February, mid-February in 2019, and there was a certain date where all those keys were pulled as well. And essentially over 200,000 uh, unique individuals are included in this majority allotment. Um, and of those individuals, they each got somewhere around like 4,200 HNS. And then 
prior to that, there was an online faucet uh, where individuals could confirm and verify their GitHub keys, their uh, free node addresses, and um, their PGP keys to also get allotments. And that was a smaller pool of individuals. I think that was somewhere around like 2,000 folks. So the majority of Handshake is owned by, you know, those over like 200,000 future airdrop recipients and folks who can claim. And then there are, you know, some other allotments. I believe I can't remember the other like recipient groups off the top of my head here, but there is a nice pie chart somewhere on that site, or probably you can find it in Internet Archives, one of the previous versions of the site, but all that's open source on the HSC GitHub too. The breakdown is, you know, 1.36 billion or so out of a future 2.04 billion, I believe, is the total off the top of my head here. And so, uh, you know, the rest of the assets are mined via proof of work, uh, which is a Blake 2B SHA-3 proof of work algorithm. So generally that's the overall breakdown of kind of how the initial airdrop happened. So if you have GitHub keys, if you had your keys were included in the tree, you can submit your claims. But then also if you're the Alexa top 100,000, so that was farmed as well from those lists. So the top 100,000 Alexa names each got a different allotment of HNS. Some of the earlier names, I think like the first maybe 2,000, maybe it was 10,000, something like that. They got different allotments and you can actually see all that information live. It's all part of the tree. It's all part. These are all like in consensus uh, as far as like consensus rules. So all this stuff is set in stone and is there forever and it can't get changed. But uh, if you go to dns.live, um, there's a website there that shows all the current names that have been claimed. So it just hits an HSD node and then, you know, gets back the name information of who's claimed their name on the, on the tree thus far and who's gotten their, you know, allotment of handshake that is included with that. And so there's a variable amount there and that makes up one of the other seven and a half percent allotments as well. So, uh, you know, a good, a good group with Alexa top 100,000 got somewhere between like 102 million, like HNS divided amongst them as well. Yeah, I remember in the early days of crypto, uh, Namecoin was one of the most popular projects because it aims to decentralize the DNS system too. Uh, they have this dot mm-hmm. bit top level domain that is decentralized. However, Namecoin didn't really become popular. How is Handshake different and how we not repeat the mistakes of Namecoin? Yeah, there's a really nice interview that MIT Technology Review did on the Handshake project myself, Taishun from uh, Namebase and a few other folks that goes over the, this general idea. But the general idea here is like back then, uh, you know, Namecoin created itself. You know, there was a very small, limited amount of crypto adopters at the time. Namecoin had to compete against Bitcoin, which was also growing like simultaneously. But just technology-wise, just the right way to architect something like Namecoin just wasn't quite there yet. And also you had to also take into account um, not trying to just start from square one And uh, you wanted to just, you know, not trying to create a complete alternative system that was completely separate from current DNS. That was a very early mistake. Again, you know, like Handshake's DNS is essentially a soft fork of the current DNS in in the sense that we've extended the namespace. But then also it's back, it will resolve recursively back out to ICANN's root servers if and when, in which case a name doesn't exist in Handshake's tree. So, you know, in, in no way are we completely separating ourselves from this uh, web. We're more of like a drop-in alternative. And so, uh, you know, that is one consideration to the, you know, aspects around like flat file storage, Urkel trees, 
how those names are going to be stored and served, updated, covenants, uh, which is what part of the handshake architecture on uh, how the Vickery bid auction system works. That's something that came later, a few years out from Bitcoin's inception uh, and Namecoin's inception that works very well for a secure UTXO set. And also light client. So like the SPV light resolver client HNSD, which is not to be confused with HSD, the actual full client daemon, it itself will, you know, just interact with headers and to verify the, you know, names and where they can be resolved from a full node. And so basically it's like different security trade-offs of do I want to run my own full node and which is in a recursive resolver and authoritative name server over the name, you know, name, excuse me, handshake namespace. But then also you have a, a light client that can work alongside the system that uh, someone can run, uh, you know, passively and say like a Windows tray or a background in there, or I can just change my local resolve.com files on my computer, uh, say on my Mac to someone else's full node uh, and just, you know, trust that I'm sending my queries to their system. Or I could reference a, another zone resolver, something like NextDNS, which has added support for Handshake where you know, they, they run an instance of HSD where they're resolving and storing handshake names. And then so you can make a request directly through NextDNS using the traditional WebDNS. So you don't even need to make any actual changes aside from add support for you know, their servers on your local uh, device for your network. And so it's, there's many different ways that handshake can be incorporated into the modern web. That uh, Namecoin, which you know mostly is working, you know, have to have a full node uh, client in order to like validate names uh, and etc. And though they continue to improve that system, and the developers work very very hard, it's just different considerations for Handshake to kind of be a root anchor and a canonical reference, um, you know, with rich data availability, but uh, you know is also agnostic to how it is it can be utilized best. And you know, I think there's a right and wrong way to approach things and not the name coin took it and it did it wrong. It's just, they did what was available at the time. And, you know, 10 years, 11 years really makes a big difference uh, in how these systems can be implemented. All right. Cool. Cool. So I'm just wondering how does handshake compare against uh, the dot crypto top level domain offered by unstoppable domains and also the dot ETH offered by Ethereum service. Don't you think that, Handshake is just a feature within an existing blockchain instead of it being an entire project of its own? Of course. So, yeah, no. So, I've talked, uh, I've got some interesting stories from both of those. So, on the regard of like unstoppable domains, um, from my understanding, they were built originally on an underlying blockchain called Zaliqua. And then I think then they created these things called ZRC20 contracts, like basically, you know, EVM compatible smart contracts that then they ran like an instance of that on Ethereum. And I think that's where they maintain the .crypto domain, which I believe if that is the case, it's also just potentially a multi-sig that controls that name. And so with that, they have this name registered .crypto and then they sell people access to this one TLD that they've created, .crypto. Um, wherein, you know, Handshake and anything can be a TLD. You can own Bobby Slash, you know, uh, you can have, I can own Mackie. You know, in CoinGecko, that can be its own TLD, right? And then you can have any other um, additional domain, you know, subdomain affix on top of that. So, you know, for instance, you could have news.coingecko or et cetera. And so the idea is ensemble domains, are, they're limited. So they are releasing like other names, right? And they have other uh, that they support. But 
The idea is you want to give the user complete control over what that name is or should be. And because again, you're just trading one set of gatekeepers, I can, for another, this unstoppable domains group, which is like, you know, slowly iterating and like changing and has a completely different security model than a proof of work Byzantine fault tolerance system, right? That has its own proof of work security uh, and its own unique hashing algorithm that has a dedicated economy of scale behind it, kind of protecting your namespace. And then, so the same goes to like ENS. So ENS, great folks. What they're working on is just, they're just kind of tackling the concept of naming in just two different perspectives. I've spoken to a gentleman there named Brantley, who is basically the COO there, I believe, at ENS Domain. He's a fan of Handshake. He likes what we're doing. He understands what our approach is hard. We probably have a very difficult approach from his, uh, we'll have a difficult time out of us, excuse me, in his perspective on like just because we are basically kind of Trojan horsing ourselves in as this extension versus um, what they're doing where they're literally trying to go and working hand in hand with ICANN. Um, they were also at ICANN uh, meeting that they had in Montreal this year. Um, they had HNS, ENS, and a few other folks um, there back in, I think, October or November timeframe. And we all presented there. We as in other folks in the Handshake community. So that was the Purse, Bcoin team, and then Namebase uh, as well. Um, some folks from there attended. His idea is, you know, we are working directly with them, you know, that slowly adds support for these different names into our registry over time. You know, we're focused, well, once particularly, you know, on E, right? But, you know, also, you know, they want to be able to work cross-compatible with uh, current DNS, and they have support for DNSSEC as well. So, essentially, they're kind of just approaching things, one from .eth perspective, and then also whatever else they want to work with like going forward through, you know, the normal bureaucratic process, where we're like, hey, we're Handshake, we're here, here's this alternative root zone. Um, you want to buy a name on Handshake? Great. It can be whatever it is. And then now the name is secured by blockchain itself. And now it, there is no central authority, which will dictate what's going forward with it. Versus also ENS, again, its own architecture, doing a different thing, but it is maintained by a seven-person multisig, um, which can be found on their ENS domain group as well. Folks like Nick there, uh, Vlad Fear, I believe uh, Taylor um, from MyCrypto, Taylor Monahan is another. And another folks. And so the idea too is that like you have this multi-state group that basically controls the ENS domain like registry. So it feels like they just again, each of these different groups have different focus where we feel like Handshake is the generalizable, extendable, agnostic naming blockchain where you want to come have a decentralized name and identity, cool. Uh, whatever you this moniker means to you, whether it's your Twitter handle, your Instagram name, your online brand identity, the name of your YouTube channel, whatever, you own that. And that name can now be as a, used as an identifier across the web in many different ways. And you can have subdomains, um, which can be utilized in any form of business or personal use that makes sense to you. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, ICANN has been aggressively adding many top-level domains recently. So like now, for example, one can buy .accountant, .auction, .camera, .car, .doctor, etc. This wasn't a case several years ago. And for Handshake's case, like if you own doctor.com, you basically can claim the .doctor TLD. My question is, how will Handshake TLD work if it clashes? 
like what happens when I can add more TLD in the future. So for example, if someone owns doctor.com or really owns dot doctor, like how it work then when it, and they also have a dot doctor on the handshake TLD. Of course. Yeah. So this question has actually come up many times in the community and I really want to say hats off to uh, Tai Shun. I'm the CEO of Namebase there, who's probably I've seen answer this question the most. Um, but essentially, the, kind of, the way it works is, uh, you know, they go through this bureaucratic process when they want to add these names. They go to compile all the, you know, attempted registrations for folks that are attempting to, you know, join the process or, or get a new type of TLD added. This happens every, like, I think it's like four years, something like that. And I think there's still another maybe three or four years going forward into the future, which has been announced publicly when they're going to get back to that process next to make their decisions on whatever new names are going to be added to their state. So Handshake has a unique launch uh, strategy where only certain names in the namespace are released over a 52-week period. So essentially, you take a name, say Bobby Ong, and you hash that, a SHA-3 hash, and then you modulus 52, and then that's how you get what week or how many weeks you need to wait after uh, handshake launches before your name becomes available. So what this means is since, you know, you can have any name, so whether it's Chinese, whether it's in English, whether it's in Spanish, uh, whether it's in Russian, uh, no matter the translation, you can register that name on the blockchain, but we will recognize that character as your unique TLD, but that name is only released within this 52-week period. So every week, uh, a new set of uh, names become available on the network for people to open up bids and start trying to purchase that name. And so there's a rolling period here initially. The first year of Handshake was very important because that's when all these names are slowly becoming available while simultaneously folks are claiming their names from the airdrop. Um, new services are coming online, adding new ways to resolve Handshake, you know, different security models, different security trade-offs. And so us growing as a community and also as a, uh, not only as like in usage, um, but also speculation of the asset, development of the code base, additional alternative clients. It's really just like, build, and again, we're always going to attempt to be as compatible as possible. So if we get that far into the future and the community wanted to, for instance, like soft fork or hard fork in, uh, you know, additional uh, changes, uh, that would, you know, blacklist or make any additional things that would uh, potentially add further backwards compatibility with additional DNS. Governance of, you know, chains allows those types of things to happen if the community believes that that's important. But the idea here is that Handshake should grow, you know, in strength quickly, given organically, you know, how things were built with the chain and, you know, incentives. And if all things go according to plan, you know, there'll be proof of work, economy of scales, people building ASICs, and there'll be large, large mining pools already supporting Handshake as, as is currently. Um, that will, you know, only continue to grow. So the incentive to secure and grow HNS as, as an asset, as a namespace, or whatever it is people, you know, see Handshake as being useful for and using its asset and its covenant system, it will eventually give us what we need to be an alternative. So there is no right answer to the question of, what are you going to do in, you know, in the future of potential collisions? It all depends on how successful the community is and also what sort of uh, flexibility governance-wise will the community allot the asset in order to make changes to ensure that doesn't have any problems going forward. 
So if I'm interested in visiting a site that uses a handshake domain, I believe that I will need to run a handshake resolver. That sounds like a very troublesome thing to do. So is there oh, any plans no, no, no. for handshake to oh, no, yeah, browsers yeah. like Brave, so Opera to incorporate the resolver directly? Yeah, so that's what I was talking about previously where you don't have to run a full node in order to resolve handshake names. As I was saying, there's different security models. So you can run a full node you can authenticate names in the tree um, using a light client, which targets another full node, just provides you the name information that you need, but without having to download blockchain data. Or you can use another resolver, as I mentioned, like NextDNS, which will allow you to resolve your name um, using their VPN-like service. So think like Cloudflare's like 1.1.1.1 resolver. Um, this one built by NextDNS by default has support for handshake names. So when you go in your browser and type in, say, NB slash, which is the name that Namebase bought um, from the handshake chain, uh, shorthand NB for Namebase, that will take you, you know, directly to whatever site and records that Namebase has posted on there. So that, so NextDNS, for instance, is as easy as going to NextDNS.io, copying the authentication key that pops up on the website because it just it stores it as a cookie in your current session. It generates you a free authentication ID that you go into your settings, click uh, enable handshake resolve, and then you open up your phone and you go into the iOS store and Android app store, download their app, you click one button, and then you paste in your authentication ID and you're done. And essentially it connects you to you know, a, per a personal like you know, VPN service that will then you know, resolve your names through their service next DNS. But then with that, it is backwards compatible in your browser for handshake names. All you need to do is include the slash. For instance, like NB slash right in your browser and it'll resolve it. And so with that, you know, you can also, there's going to be support for other like root zones that currently already use Handshake and uh, run Handshake resolvers. So you'll be able to just in a clear web browser, for instance, you can go to like a name based site by going to nb.hs.run or nb.hs.zone. And with that, that's another zone that's being controlled that also hits a handshake name, similar to like NextDNS, and will resolve your name. So the idea is that you won't have to do anything at all in order to support handshake. So all you're doing is choosing, you know, what level of security and what sort of trade-offs you want to get. Just like when you make the decision, do I want to use a Coinbase account and store my assets in a centralized bank service where Coinbase controls my keys? Or in this case, you could resolve your names through another service that you know, you're sending your, your encrypted traffic through, but still you're sending your traffic through it. But then also you can have a decision of, oh, I want a non-custodial wallet. I'm gonna generate my own keys. I'm gonna run, have this locally. I'm gonna have this backed up. I'm gonna keep this stored in cold storage, which is the equivalent of, I'm gonna run my own full node. I'm gonna process all my requests. Or you have another friend that runs a full node, or you have another trusted service to run the full node, and you just wanna connect your light client to it. And then your light client then hits someone else's full node. So then you're still getting your records directly from the chain where you're getting, you're, you're giving your trading off your security of running and verifying your own full node to another service. So the idea is that you want to be as flexible as possible. And that is what Handshake allows. And so as we can see, since it's Handshake's only launched February 3rd now, and we're maybe like 70 days just in since the launch, it will only continue to mature. And other services like Brave, for instance, um, they were just on a recent developer call this past Thursday, uh, and they claimed their 
almost 3.4 million HNS, I think it was, um, from the tree, which is a sizable amount at current prices, somewhere like $500,000. So a huge incentive for uh, a company like Brave to just claim their name and then say, hey, we want to support Handshake in our browser. What ways can we do that? Can we use the Light Client? Do we use uh, Dane, uh, which is another authentication service, which is, is not as popular, but it adds for more forward compatibility, backward compatibility with Handshake as it stands currently? Or, uh, you know, do we want to add support for full nodes or whatnot? Or what does that look like? And so, you know, they already have people on the job. And so that, was, that came from the idea of that initial airdrop that we were talking about for name claim. So if you're in the Alexa top 100K, um, for instance, like Brave is, some of these other companies got larger allotments, i.e. Uh, like Cloudflare, um, Nick Sullivan, who's the head of crypto there. We had a meeting with him to talk about Handshake. They're very excited about Handshake there too. So they'll probably do their name claim uh, at some point in the uh, near future. They're dealing with, I'm sure, the bureaucracy of you know, getting free internet money. So you know, that's a slower process as a large enterprise. Brave is a startup, so they can move a lot more quickly, right? But yeah, so you know, there are a lot of incentives for folks to make Handshake the easiest use as possible. And the developer community uh, you know, continues to work on ways to, to make it not only easier to find names to purchase, but also to like spin up your own name servers so you can set your records for resolving your names, but also other faster ways for developers to be able to quickly build and deploy and to like test out uh, without running full nodes and et cetera. And then almost two months is out, like, you know, Handshake has grown pretty quickly. So I say give another two or three months, we'll probably see a handful of different ways that you can quickly get up and running with Handshake. And not, there probably already are many I'm not even realizing off the top of my head. Sounds very interesting. I can't wait for the time to come and I can easily resolve and open up a Handshake domain. Yeah, so, yeah. So right now, if you go to dns.live and you go to uh, like resources there, or learn more, I believe is what you click. Um, it will show you, and you click resolvers. There's so many different ways that you can quickly get set up to resolve handshake names, and most of them in just a couple of minutes. So there was a handshake domain name auction that's happening on Namebase recently. Not so sure if you know, but do you know any interesting stats or like, for example, how many have been sold? What's the average price like? Any interesting names have been sold from the domain name auctions? Yeah, for sure, dude. So the one, there's, there's two different ways you can get these metrics, right? You could, um, myself as an investor in Namebase as well, I, I don't know all these internal metrics, KPIs, as you don't necessarily have to be that public, but you can see all this stuff currently from the chain itself. And so some of the sites that I've listed, dns.live is one way to look at the name uh, and what names have been claimed, but there's two other resources that are really, really awesome. Uh, if you're digging into Handshake at a high level very quickly. Uh, one is hsd.tools. So that's a website to allow you to see in many different languages when certain names are going to be available. So they just kind of run that little function that I mentioned earlier, shop three hash of a name, modulus 52, feed that into the system and tells you when that name will be available. But it will also show you the top bids for names historically, who's had the largest like bid mask uh, in order to obfuscate their bid, what is the person who had the largest bid mask, but ultimately ended up paying like the smallest amount of money. Basically like metrics behind auctions and like how they ended up and closing out since Handshake's launch, uh, which is really cool to look at. And then if you want to get a high level view quickly of the activity on the chain, you can go to hnscan.com. So hnsdan.com, kind of like Etherscan, kind of like ICANN. 
but you can go here and it will, it shows you on the very front page, it shows network summary. And so, so far there's been over 19,891 names just in the past two months um, that have been bid on and are currently in the process of you know, closing to belong to someone. So a lot of activity there, but also currently daily transactions float somewhere between five, 6,000 transactions to historically all time high of over 20, 20 and a half thousand. Uh, daily transaction. So the chain gets a lot of activity. Uh, it handles, you know, this throughput very well. You know, with some of the most expensive names historically, let's see. Um, if we go to hsd.tools, we can go to the leaderboard. The most expensive domain name, which is the very final price that was paid for the domain name, which is since it's a second price auction, the winner is the highest bidder, but they only pay the second highest price uh, that was bid in, in the auction. So at the end of the bidding process period, the highest bid so far have been for the crypto domain, which I believe might have been purchased by the Unstoppable Domain folks. Um, they actually popped into the chat one day on Telegram, and they were like, "Hey, like we want the .crypto domain name," and someone said, "Oh yeah, like well we can't stop the blockchain, so you know you're just going to have to buy it." So I think they might have been this person, but they they spent two hundred thousand HNS just for that. Uh, the other top name is eight slash, so very popular number uh, in China. So that was 180,000 HNS. Coin, um, that was 103,000 HNS. The number seven slash, 100,000 HNS. Zen, 80,000. Namebase, MB, um, that I mentioned earlier, they spent 50,000 HNS on that name alone. 25,000 HNS for mining, 40,000 HNS for decks. So, you know, there's been some pretty large bids have been put out. So, you know, again, these are TLDs, right? So the person owns the right to control this name forever. So if I own the crypto name and, you know, I, I'm unstoppable domain folks, for instance, who I speculate may have bought this name, um, then now they can only they also control this name on the HNS uh, namespace as well, um, which is really cool. And then like if I own the name coin and uh, I want to sell, resell subdomain access, to say like bobby.coin or mackie.coin, I can purchase, you know, that right to like have that subdomain access just as like the same way I go to buy a .com name from another registrar. So effectively, I am the registrar of coin or crypto. And so, you know, there's also future speculative value on what can I resell that name for, but also what can I reutilize this name for? Is this a brand now? Is, is, would someone else want to buy access to, oh, I bought like a dot crypto funds or something like that. And I'm a Mintum. I do, I, do I want to buy a Mintum dot crypto fund? Just have that resolved my actual website. There's a lot of cool complexity here um, that happens with Handshake because you have this fungible asset, H&S, but then you burn this fungible asset into the covenant state in order to create a non-fungible name that then can be transferred you know, resold, et cetera, to other people and other addresses. And there's some really interesting dynamics there happening economically too, because the, as names and become more popular on the system, there's further deflation happening as assets are being burned into the covenant state. Um, once they've gone through the bid process, the reveal process, and effectively once they register their name, that net, that H&S and their original bid is, is burned and is no longer spendable from that address. So, you know, we have an emission of 288,000 HNS a day, 
So there's 144 blocks a day with a 10 minute block time, just like normal Bitcoin. And so the difficulty adjustment algorithm is dynamic and adjusts and tries to always effectively have 144 blocks a day. So there's a fixed emission from henceforth, and there's happenings every three and a half years. Scarcity of the asset will continue going forward as a deflationary aspect of the asset continue to grow and the adoption, the namespace continue, and the economies of scale are built on top of not only names and services, but also individuals mining the asset. So it's the birth and growth of a burgeoning community that is, if successful, will create, generate a lot of wealth in many different ways. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, thanks a lot for showing out all these stats. Like, I find it really interesting looking at some of the most expensive domains, some of the highest bids and all, uh, dot crypto and all, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, so I think I've asked all the questions that I wanted to ask today. So it's been great having you on the show today, Stephen. Thank you very much for taking the time to explain everything about Handshake to us. Yeah, of course. And if anyone you know, wants to have any discussions, if they're just curious about Handshake and want to learn more, you know, there's a couple of social channels for that. There's the at HNS Twitter handle on Twitter, which is run by the HSD developers. And then there's also at HNS Miner, uh, which is run by us at Handy Miner, which built the Handy Miner mining client. And we have a community on Telegram as well, t.me slash handshake talk. Uh, and then there's also another channel for developers who want to just talk specifically development. And that's t.me slash HNS underscore tech. So as you can tell, it, it takes a lot to explain Handshake and what it is and kind of the thought process behind it because it is such a complex thing. So if anyone ever has any questions or wants to know where there are resources to learn more about what it is I've said um, or wants to critique anything I said, feel free to reach out on those communities. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll add this all to the show notes later on. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot again for explaining Handshake to all of us. No problem. Thanks, Bobby. All right, that wraps up the show. Thank you for listening to the CoinGecko podcast with Bobby. If you like our show and want to know more, check out podcast.coingecko.com or please leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any feedback, do drop us an email at hello at coingecko.com. Join us for more next week. See ya! This podcast is provided as part of the overall information on cryptocurrency contained on our website, is for your general information only, and does not howsoever constitute any endorsement, financial or investment advice, nor any solicitation or offer of securities or other financial instruments. CoinGecko and the podcast presenter makes no warranties, implied or expressed, of any kind in relation to this podcast, including, without limitation, the accuracy and updatedness of its content. All opinions and recommendations therein the podcast are based on the personal opinion of the presenter. Please conduct your own research and procure professional advice should you, at your own risk, decide to howsoever invest or trade in relation to the content contained in the podcast.